When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This message comes from Viking. Committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship. With thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Nobody knew anything. I was first. I'm the first to get a military diagnosis for injuries related to methylene toxicity. I'm the first to get a VA rating. They call me serial number one. As directed by the U.S. military, Commander Bill Minofsky took an anti-malarial pill called mefloquin for five months at the dawn of the Iraq War. It's the same drug that Robert Bales' defense team claims may have altered the staff sergeant's mental state. During his time overseas, Minofsky experienced firsthand how mefloquin can negatively affect a soldier on deployment. Really, nobody was warned, so what I noticed looking back was I started getting really angry, and so did most of the guys on the deployment. There was a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, and people were just snapping each other. I thought I was drinking too much coffee. That then transitioned into paranoia. Like, I was responsible for the problems. Like, it was all my fault. And then I started having the dreams, these crazy vivid dreams. I had an incident Three days before the Iraq war started, I was out in the Adari bombing range with uh, SEAL Team 3. So it's in the dead of night, no moon. We had these gunships coming right over, it's about 50 feet over our head, really loud. And they were shooting these flashing rockets at targets downrange. So I had all this visual stimuli coming in and after about five minutes, I got sick. I started getting vertigo really bad to the point where I stood up and I go, guys, I can't do this anymore. And there I was helping plan the Iraq war and I'm on a drug that can cause anxiety, depression, hallucinations and psychotic behavior. Previously on The War Within. What you have described here sounds like a recipe for disaster. We were drinking some booze, seven drinks per guy. 
Bales was in charge of the medics. He could get whatever the hell he wanted. I started taking steroids early February. If you take someone who tends towards violence and you give them something that could make them even more violent, it could be a catastrophic situation. They didn't remember the name of the drug, right? I remember the effects. They called it Mefloquin Mondays. We're going to see fairies. We're going to see shit. Bales was paranoid and he was deluded and he was suffering from hallucinations. When I hear the Bales story, the first thing I think of is Mefloquin. First thing. I'm Mike McGinnis. This is The War Within. The Robert Bale story. If Robert Bales has any hope of one day leaving the Fort Leavenworth disciplinary barracks a free man, it'll likely be because his attorney, John Marr, successfully argued that he was experiencing mefloquine-induced psychosis when he committed the Kandahar massacre. Our team's position is that the mefloquine carries the tag. You're going to give a guy a poison by order and not disclose it? The entire landscape of this case could have changed. For Marr to be right, two key points would have to be true. Number one, mefloquin is poison, at least for some who take it. And two, Bales definitively took the drug during his time in service. We can begin to explore whether mefloquin is actually toxic by hearing the story of Commander Manofsky, an outspoken veteran whose life was forever changed after beginning his regimen of mefloquin. I volunteered to go to the Iraq war. Right at the last minute, I was called into the clinic. The corpsman handed me six foil packs of valerium wrapped in a rubber band. I didn't even get it in a box. And they said, start taking this once a week. And I go, okay. And that's how I got the drug and went into this descent of madness. Valerium is the brand name for the drug mefloquin just as Advil is really ibuprofen. Some people use the terms interchangeably. By March of 2003, three months after he had begun taking the anti-malarial, the commander was displaying behavior uncharacteristic of a long-tenured warrior. I had flicker vertigo like you get in a helicopter. I went out in the desert, and not to be too graphic, but um, I emptied my bowels in the desert. Then I went back to where the trucks were parked, and I kid you not, I threw up for an hour straight. I timed it. I then went back to my rack in the tent, and I was in bed for three days. I got up the third day, went to take a shower, and that's when I was in the shower, the first Scud missile was launched into Kuwait. That's when the Iraq war started. Minovsky was a highly trusted operator with top secret security clearance. But when it came time to fight the Iraqi army, he could barely trust himself to get through the day. Shield Team 5 went and made a deploy with them to Baghdad to help them do their mission planning there. And uh, I told him, I said, guys, I can't go. I was within five minutes of getting on a helicopter, going with them, and I said, I can't go. I'm, I, I'm gonna be a medevac casualty. I feel like I got the flu. I mean, I was really sick. So I went home and I was coughing my lungs out. Now, I thought it was from the dust storms. So they administered Robitussin with codeine, and I told them I cannot take codeine. It makes me sick. And they flat out told me, if you don't take this stuff, you're refusing treatment, and we don't have to take care of you anymore. So I started taking the Robitussin with codeine, and that it was 6 May 2003. That's when everything started going downhill. And after that, I was in the hospital five times for panic attacks 
And that's when I started getting the tremors and the shakes and I started stuttering. I couldn't walk. If you looked at me, I looked like I had Parkinson's. That lasted probably a year and a half. And I'm convinced that I still had the drug in me. Minofsky was physically eroding in real time. Meanwhile, intermittent hallucinations were warping his perception of reality. When I came back from the war, I had audio hallucinations. I was in my secretary's office and she went to pick up the phone. It sounded like somebody dialing a touchtone phone real fast. That happened to be the preamble to the air raid alarm on base in Kuwait. It always started with this very quick touchtone sound and then it would go alarm green, alarm yellow, alarm red. A couple days later, I was in uh, Walmart with my wife and I heard the same thing over the intercom. And I looked at my wife and I go, did you hear that? She goes, no, what are you talking about? And then I had kind of a visual hallucination one time uh, right after a very severe panic attack in my psychologist's office. I came outside and the sky was purple and there were purple auras around everything. Craziest thing. In Iraq, I think I was on, you know, day three of, you know, 14 hour days and I see walking across the bridge uh, what looked to be purple ghosts. Purple visions. Minofsky and Bales have never met one another, but elements of their stories do match. For example, a tendency towards random acts of violence. The week of May 6, 2003, I took my wife up to the Kern River to go trout fishing. And she couldn't cast her fishing line. She didn't know how to use an open reel spool. And uh, I got violently angry at her. I went to punch her out for that. Mefloquine causes rage. I woke up one night in acute panic attack I went and got my 1911 45 pistol and I took it apart out of fear that I would wake up in the morning with my wife dead in the pool of blood on the floor in the morning. That's how bad this is. Just a short while after he began taking mefloquine, Minofsky was nearly unrecognizable. But as anti-malarial expert Dr. Remington Nevin explains, not everybody responds to the drug in the same way. For whatever reason, it appears that people have different tolerances. Most people have some ability to detoxify the drug. But in some people, we think, this drug accumulates in their brain tissue where it begins to exert its adverse physiological effects, causing symptoms like disturbed sleep, nightmares. You'll start to see the anxiety and panic and perhaps over time, as the drug accumulates, you'll see the more severe symptoms such as overt psychosis and irreversible neurotoxicity. Robert Bales may have never been hospitalized for mefloquine toxicity, but many of the telltale signs were on display at VSP Bellamby. Impulsive rage when he beat up an Afghan truck driver, an odd fixation with a tree, disturbed sleep, paranoia. You know, it, it's getting worse, bro. Like, it's getting worse. You know, you see the bad guy and you know what he's going to do, but you can't do anything about it, right? You know what's going to happen, right? You feel it, 
you feel these things closing in on you over and over and over again. It's the anticipation of death, probably way worse than the death itself. You know something's coming, and that anticipation of whatever's coming is what um, makes you paranoid, I guess. Attorney John Maher is not the only person asserting that mefloquine is toxic. But the question of whether Bales has ever used this anti-malarial has not been a straightforward. Prosecutor Jay Morse claims to have found nothing about the drug in Bales's file. There was an allegation that he was on anti-malarials that caused him to do this. We, I mean, we did a more than thorough search of, of all medical records uh, for Bales' entire time in the Army and could find no evidence not only of Bales not taking Larian, but anyone in his unit ever taking it. My recollection is that the only evidence that there was ever any mefloquin was from one person who had been in Bale's company, not even in Bale's platoon, who made a sworn statement that he remembers being given mefloquin at like in 2006, six years prior to the act. John Maher puts a lot of stock in that sworn statement referenced by Morse. To him, Everything that a jury needs to know about whether Bales took mefloquine can be answered in the affidavit of one Gregory Rayo. The direct evidence that we have is that Specialist Rayo was standing next to Bob in formation at some point. In his affidavit, unchallenged by the government, uh, says, yeah, yeah, every Monday we had mefloquine Mondays and they came out. We all had to drink it. We all had to drop it. And we look forward to those mefloquine Mondays because we'd all start seeing stuff. We also got confirmation from Bales' former platoon teammate, David Wesley although our producer, Max, had to remind him of the name of the drug. Do you remember the name of the malaria drug that you took? I think it's, it was like methma, methylchloroquine or some craziness. Methylchloroquine? Yeah, there it is. Uh, you get these, like, just fucked up dreams, man. <laughs> like, just wild. We took it once a week. I remember Doc Stacy would come around, he had the sheet, he would give you a pill, he'd check you off your sheet, and then we had the crazy dreams. Speaking from personal experience, just about everybody was required to take mefloquine during the height of the Iraq War. It was just one of many responsibilities that we had as soldiers. What remains unclear is whether Bales was on anti-malarials while in Afghanistan. Private Gavin Jones recalls that at VSP Bellamby, most mandatory policies weren't really mandatory. No, I did not take any of that. No, I just didn't didn't seem appealing to me. I'll wrestle with malaria before I want to have like stomach ache, to be honest. Now that I think about it, I don't think anyone took any of that medication. No one actually came out and said, like, all right, guys, take your broken pills, let's go. Like, no. Pretty sure we just tossed that shit out. Soldier X, the person who will not be named in this podcast, remembers Mefloquine being at the base. But that doesn't necessarily mean Bales was taking it. I know I took Mefloquine maybe a handful of times, but it was not as directed every day by any means. I don't know that I ever observed Bales taking Mefloquine in a prescribed manner either. Why is this such a debate? If Bales took Mefloquine, it should be in his medical records, which were analyzed by the prosecution, defense, and an independent sanity board during the trial in 2013. So we have an obligation to disclose any evidence that might go to the favor of the accused, right? To the favor of the defendant. But there's zero evidence of mefloquine. And so every time they would bring it up, the defense team, we would just say there's zero evidence. Like, you're not allowed to even talk about this. Mefloquine wasn't in Bale's file, but Commander Manofsky and Dr. Nevin claimed that it wasn't in the files of most soldiers who took it. If it's not in Bale's record, 
it's like it wasn't in anybody else's record either. My deployment team, they didn't get in their record. The hundreds of veterans that I've talked to did not get it in their medical records. The events of that era are odd. A couple months before the, the events in question, the top doctor of the military basically said, hey, look, we have a problem. Mefloquine has been handed out without adequate documentation and without proper consideration of contraindications. And unfortunately, I think the courts have been misinformed by the government, by the prosecution, that the evidence is conclusive in showing that Bales never took mefloquine. And I think the courts just didn't realize that what the medical records show is often not a good reflection of reality. And in this particular case, one has to probe a little bit more to understand the full picture. In the US military, just about everything is written down somewhere. You can't order pens without putting it in a report. So for widespread use of mefloquine and its side effects to go undocumented, it's either completely untrue, a sign of gross incompetence, or perhaps something more insidious. Minofsky told us the following over the phone. Our malarium came in foil packs. The foil pack was five pills. There was a blank spot, all right, where they wrote the name of the drug and everything down. And they didn't get it in their medical records. I think that was deliberate. Considering if you look at my shot card, it's got everything listed. But I went into my pharmacy record. No record of mefloquine being given to me. When I found that out, I, I just I blew a gasket. I go, you got to be kidding me. They knew it was bad. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. 
LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why GameBridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. GameBridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at GameBridge.io. Please visit GameBridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. To say that the government was providing its soldiers with an anti-malarial that they knew was defective and dangerous, that's a potentially explosive development. It's a claim that Dr. Nevin has staked his reputation on proving to be true, both during and after his service. I was familiar with mefloquine as part of my training. We were taught that mefloquine was a safe and effective medication if used as directed, but I realized that this dogma, this training that I'd received on mefloquine, the institutional beliefs on the drug were incorrect. The drug was far more dangerous. As I began to ask questions about mefloquine, I was receiving a lot more pushback from my seniors than I had expected. And so that made me think maybe there's something to this. I quickly realized that I could do more work on this issue outside the military, but it's still understood within the higher offices of the DOD and VA that one should not speak ill of mefloquine. Because what are you doing? If you do that, if you publish a paper that shows this drug is associated with a significant burden of disability, you've just cost the VA billions of dollars. Attorney and veteran John Marr applauds Nevin for speaking up when many others have opted to remain silent. Dr. Nevin, he sacrificed his Army career. Command Surgeon, Major, 82nd Airborne, Fort Bragg. Because his research came around saying, this anti-malarial drug is killing people. When you hear the full scope of Dr. Nevin's findings, it's not terribly surprising to learn that he's no longer employed by the military. After all, his polarizing opinion is that this negligence surrounding mefloquine had gone on for decades. Going back to World War II, it's not an exaggeration to say that our top military leaders view the availability of anti-malarial drugs the same way they view the availability of nuclear weapons as a safeguard to national security. We had very limited stockpiles 
And so in the Vietnam era, a large-scale project began to synthesize these drugs. And that led, in 1969, to the first reported synthesis of mefloquine. For whatever reason, the military decided mefloquine is our drug. They had a handful of alternatives that were also in development. But the literature from the early 70s makes it very clear they wanted mefloquine to be their drug. After the military handpicked mefloquine as their anti-malarial, they were responsible for securing a manufacturer and distributor for the drug. In this case, that would be a Swiss pharmaceuticals giant named Roche. Apparently, the military approached every single pharmaceutical manufacturer, and none were willing to get the drug through the approval process and market the drug. Probably because many drugs of this class caused irreversible significant lesions to form in the brains and brain stems. For whatever reason, Roche raised their hand and said, fine, we'll do it. Perhaps Roche did the math and realized the military will buy large quantities, they'll give us a lot of money. They've done all the research, they've basically paid for the development of the drug. So there's fundamentally no cost to Roche and beside the possibility of some lawsuits down the line, very little risk. The US Food and Drug Administration exists for a reason. Roche and the military might have agreed to partner on making mefloquine, but an independent agency still needs to make sure that it's safe for use. That said, the FDA can't make a decision with information it doesn't have. The initial submission to FDA didn't even make mention of psychiatric effects. So when mefloquine was first being licensed, under pressure from the US military, the doctors at FDA reviewing the file had no understanding that this drug could cause psychiatric effects when used in prevention. In 1989, that was approved. Almost immediately, the World Health Organization comes out with a document expressing fairly grave concerns, essentially saying it looks like this drug has neuropsychiatric potential. It looks like this drug causes neuropsychiatric symptoms, anxiety and depression. And so what followed that was a remarkable period over two or three years where the military and Roche and others worked furiously to manufacture doubt about these findings. Ultimately, Roche and the military went out, and almost immediately, mefloquine was being distributed around the globe. But it wasn't long before troubling incidents began to surface. For example, the story of Canadian soldier Clayton Matchy in 1993, just four years after the drug received FDA approval. During the Somalia crisis, Canadian military sent several thousand troops over to uh, aid the U.S. military effort. And this was the first large-scale use of mefloquine in any deployment. And one of the troops that was given this drug was a fellow named Clayton Matchy. He almost immediately started experiencing fairly severe symptoms from mefloquine, including symptoms of psychosis. These symptoms were so severe, he came back home on leave and he was there in bed with his wife and he woke up in a sweat, white knuckles, clenching his wife, I think. He was convinced there was this monster, this apparition at the foot of his bed, big teeth. It's about to eat him. And he begged his wife to pray with him for this uh, monster, this apparition to be exorcised. So he deploys back over to Somalia and I think within a matter of weeks, if I'm not mistaken, he's in a pit guarding a Somali detainee that had snuck in under the fence, I think. And according to witnesses there, he started beating him with a stick. And apparently he was trying to beat 
these camel spiders that were covering this Somali detainee. Now, actually, he wasn't covered in camel spiders, but in the midst of this psychosis, he hallucinated that this detainee was covered in camel spiders. And so he ended up getting beaten to death. And for a Canadian soldier to beat a detainee like that to death seemed just like a symptom of something gone terribly wrong. For Clayton Matchy, Mefloquin was not acting in a vacuum. Similar to Staff Sergeant Bales, the Canadian warrior was under the influence of a combination of substances. There's a key point here that is kind of overlooked that they were being administered mefloquin, they were allowed to drink beer. Their medics also administered them cough syrup, most likely Robitussin with codeine as a sleep aid, as a replacement for Ambien. That's what they took with them. So these guys are whacked out on some serious stuff. They're drinking, drinking alcohol with mefloquin is a very dangerous thing to do. And then uh, Clayton, after he came out of his stupor, he uh, went to hang himself, but he, it wasn't successful. So he's still alive to this day, but with serious brain injury. Make no mistake, Clayton Matchy did what he did that day, not because he was a bad person, not because there was something wrong with the Canadian Airborne Regiment. He, he did what he did because he was floridly psychotic as a result of being poisoned by mefloquine. So this was in the early 90s. Had, had we learned from this episode, none of this would have happened. I'm convinced had we learned from this episode, we wouldn't be discussing bails. Throughout the 90s and beyond, headlines about the dangers of mefloquine would periodically arise. Several young men and women unexpectedly committed suicide shortly after trips to African nations that required the use of antimalarials. And then there were the four Bragg killings in the summer of 2002, which even appeared in an episode of NBC's Dateline. Within a few short weeks last summer, three young women, all wives of Army Special Forces soldiers, were murdered by their husbands returning from the war in Afghanistan. The segment is notable for identifying mefloquine, under the brand name Larium, as a potential cause for murder committed by soldiers, a full decade before the Kandahar massacre. The investigators wondered at first if an anti-malarial drug prescribed for Afghanistan, larium, had anything to do with the violence. There has been some suggestion larium may trigger hallucinatory or suicidal episodes in some users. But the military quickly dismissed the drug as a cause. When this Dateline episode aired in June of 2003, Bill Minofsky was laboring under the side effects of his own experience with larium. He takes issue with the methodology the military used to absolve the drug of any fault in the Fort Bragg murders. I'm going to leave a name out here uh, because I don't have permission to use their name right now. Uh, but they were on the investigation team that went down to Fort Bragg and essentially the report was rigged. They included a couple other murders that had happened at Fort Bragg at the time but were unrelated but in talking to this person afterwards, uh, they said they knew it was mefloquine. And that person now is a major advocate against the drug now that they're retired from the military. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity. It's designed for women's unique retirement needs with flexible withdrawals to help cover unexpected expenses, plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. In other words, it's like getting a paycheck for life. We'll say that again. A paycheck for life. Guaranteed. Sounds too good to be true? It's not. It's the Parity Flex annuity. And it's one more example of their commitment to creating a better financial future for women. One where they feel empowered, not excluded, and ready to take on whatever their next chapter holds. Gainbridge believes financial flexibility and security are things we all could use more of. At Retirement Income You Can't Outlive is the ultimate flex. Who's with us? Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Please visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, for product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Seven months after he was pulled out of Iraq, Manofsky was furious with the military's refusal to acknowledge the root cause for his significant health issues. When I started asking about the drug, the Navy went to accuse me of mishandling classified material. So they went to court-martial me. People were telling me, go to the press, go to the press. My wife and I, we'd already been working with UPI. I said, okay, guys, let's go public with this. UPI published an expose on September 8th, 2003, nine years before the Kandahar massacre. In the piece, Commander Manofsky was quoted as saying, I was trying not to pull a Fort Bragg. After that, the military's tenor began to shift. When these articles came out, we were on CNN, the Navy really backed off. I talked to uh, a senior officer and I go, you know, what happened? And he goes, in a meeting, someone said, hey, maybe he really is sick from the drug. I'm the first to get a military diagnosis for injuries related to methylene toxicity. I'm the first to get a VA rating. Not to sound facetious, uh, if, if I was a corporal or a sergeant, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd probably, honest to God, I, I would be probably dead. 
the Navy would have treated me completely different. Commander Manofsky's one-man crusade helped him earn a disability rating, essentially confirming that the military accepted blame for his condition. In the coming years, Dr. Nevin's research would start raising eyebrows among some within the federal government. I'd like to think that my research has helped to inform military policy on this issue. Some of my early work, I think, moved the army away from use of this drug. It went in by 2013 all the services had had essentially abandoned the use of mefloquine as a first-line drug. Robert Bales' killings took place on March 11, 2012, before the program had been shuttered. With all of this in mind, are we any closer to knowing whether Bales was under the influence of mefloquine-induced psychosis? The following excerpt is from a press conference given by four-star general John Allen on March 15, 2012. Allen was arguably the architect of military strategy in Afghanistan. It's important to note that this press conference began with Allen addressing the military's response to the Kandahar massacre. Uh, General, could you elaborate at all about this uh, Defense Department ordered review of the anti-malaria drug when you were made aware of that, including for deployed troops, and uh, what explanation you were given for it? I was actually made aware of it this morning. the, the review is a natural course of periodic reviews, as I understand it, within the department. Uh, so that I think that's the best I could do for you on this. You were not told that there was a specific concern regarding troops that were deployed being given this drug? No. There are reviews constantly of our medical processes and procedures. That, that's not uncommon at all. And so when I hear that one of the anti-malarial prophylaxis uh, drugs is is under a periodic review. I think that's a very natural and an important uh, process that that uh, is pursued regularly in the Office of Secretary of Defense. So I, I would suggest that you ask them that question. Just four days after Bales's attacks, the government embarked on a review of a drug that had been linked over the years to illegal murders perpetrated by soldiers. Given the context, it's hard not to read General Allen's words as a classic act of deflection. Three months later, in June of 2012, Dr. Nevin was asked to appear before the Senate Appropriations Committee. Feinstein has been a long-standing supporter of efforts to raise awareness of mefloquine. That'd be Diane Feinstein, senior senator from California. And of course, Feinstein was on the Intelligence Committee in the Senate. And I was invited to speak to the Senate at her invitation. They were interested in perhaps developing some legislation I believe I simply alluded to the fact that there was more to this drug than we had acknowledged and and certainly to stop use of the drug. Once you have testimony like this on the record, it becomes difficult for people to, to claim they didn't know there was a potential problem. I think it was July 2012. I get a call from the commissioner's office of the FDA, Commander Minoski, we'd like you to come to Washington, D.C. to meet with us to express your concerns regarding the toxicity of mefloquine. And I go, is this a joke? And uh, he goes, nope, we're serious. So February of 2013, there was a meeting in Silver Springs, Maryland, at their headquarters. There were 25 FDA researchers in the room Uh, Nevin got to give a presentation. He did great. I think my argument convinced them. I think they said, okay, actually, this makes sense. And then the black box warning came up. 
that's kind of like the highest level of red flashing light on a drug that, hey, you know, you need to pay attention to this warning here. There's something wrong with this thing. That was the stake in the heart for Mefloquine. Robert Bales alone was not the reason why the military eventually stopped giving its soldiers mefloquine. But John Marr theorizes that such a highly publicized tragedy may have been the impetus they needed to finally make a change about 15 months after the Kandahar massacre. I think it was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. It prompted the FDA to take action. It prompted the Army to take action. It had a positive catalytic effect, I believe. And that was the right thing to do. If you try to bury it, it's going to come out anyway. It's going to be worse for you when we find it. The prosecution has repeatedly insisted that no hard evidence exists connecting mefloquine to Bales. Marr, on the other hand, suspects that proof is out there. It's just been hidden. If the defense were never provided with mefloquine, its poisoning, the data, the FDA reports, the Roche reports, the manufacturer, Dr. Nevin's affidavits and testimony, as well as U.S. Medcom, and the uh, military surgeons general issuing orders to stop issuing the stuff. All of that should have been disclosed to the defense to help Bob think about how to defend himself because every American is entitled to a meaningful defense. If Maher can successfully make this point to an appellate court, he can potentially emancipate the man considered to be America's most notorious war criminal. If we prevail, hopefully what will happen is we'll get a new trial, at which point, we will put on the mefloquine evidence. I think it could be landscape changing. Reversing a military court's ruling is easier said than done. In 2017, two years after taking up Bales's cause, the defense team was granted an oral argument from the Army Court of Criminal Appeals, also known as ACA. If oral argument is granted in a case, that's a pretty good tell uh, in poker parlance that the judges are saying, hey, there, there might be some merit here and we have questions and we'd like to look counsel in the eye and, and ask those questions and get them answered. It was a small victory for the Bales camp and Marr and his co-counsel put everything they had into concocting an airtight Mefloquid defense. They even invited John Henry Brown, Bales's original trial lawyer, down to Virginia to attend the proceedings. But I was in the audience. I, I had come there two days earlier uh, to just help prepare the defense. Uh, so we, we thought we should at least get a hearing out of it. And that was the goal. It's not very common for a defense attorney to remain close to a case years after a decision has been reached. But something about the Robert Bales story seems to have staying power. After all, Brown wasn't the only attorney in the gallery at ACA. So was Lieutenant Colonel Jay Morse. I had retired by then, but I'd still been following the case. And so it was important to me to go and hear other people who were completely independent of the case. I knew some of the things that the defense team had been saying. And so I wanted to go hear if, if they were actually saying that argument on the record, uh, because some of it was, was personal to me. Man, I would have been and would be still today horrified if we had done something procedurally wrong. I don't know Jay Morse, but as a former prosecutor myself, I've never once attended an appeal that, that I litigated, not once. That shows me that he had a vested interest in the case personally rather than professionally. And if you lose your professionalism and bleed into personal, you, you're not a pro anymore. You're just not. With an esteemed crowd in attendance, 
the Bales defense team put their Mefloquine-related evidence on the table for review. I think the attorneys were great attorneys, and they had a really good argument. I mean, I thought we would really might prevail uh, because we had proven that the discovery was not given to us, that things were fixed. And I think everybody believed that we might be successful with that, but we weren't. I have lots of thoughts about ACA. I think it's the same with the military justice system. It's, you know, we cover our ass. Everybody said we kicked ass, took names for what the Army Criminal Court of Appeals does. They rubber stamp. Whatever comes through, they're going to uphold it. Bales and Marr have argued previously that the U.S. Court of Military Justice is biased against soldiers accused of crimes. By the same token, they're of the opinion that ACA does the same thing, simply falling in line with the decision that came before. The uh, military, as you may know, is probably one of the more trusted institutions in our country. And I believe that if we peel the layers back and actually expose some of this stuff, the country would be disappointed and lose faith in the Army. The appellate courts seek to preserve convictions. They don't want to embarrass the Army. John, they wanted ACA. You were there. You witnessed them destroying the prosecution. And you witnessed the judges doing nothing. They didn't give us a time of day. Bales, Marr, Nevin, Manofsky, Wesley. They all say that, for a while, everyone was taking mefloquine. They vouch for the drug's psychiatric effects right down to the details. And yet, every step of the way, it appears that the U.S. military, the service to which they devoted much of their lives, refuses to accept any responsibility for its actions. Nobody knows this better than Commander Bill Minofsky, Mefloquine's serial number one. Bill, in your estimation, how many veterans do we have out there dealing with Mefloquine poisoning? Tens of thousands. I'm going to say a lot of these veterans are no longer with us. People who are suicidal or who are highly depressed because of this drug. It does something to the discretion center of your brain. It makes suicide like you're going to get the mail. I kept hearing senior army doctors say, well, hey, you know, all the suicides are from family trouble or can't pay the bills or whatever. No, Larian puts you to the suicide door and then one foot out. And all it takes is a family argument, a bill that comes in that you can't pay, and you go get the gun. And nobody wants to talk about it. Coming up on The War Within... I think the United States will probably want to avoid a victory. They're also going to have an eye on the horizon, saying, holy cow. Of course, my dad being in prison affects my everyday life and really our family's everyday life in a whole. There was an article that came out in GQ that was very clearly one-sided. Bales wanted to tell his story. It was pretty clear that he wanted the article to humanize him. People automatically assume that I dislike Muslim people. Bales, he'd have his off-the-cuff remarks about minorities and, like, people of color. He was menacing with it. At times, he's a really menacing, mean bastard. The War Within, The Robert Bales Story, is a production of Bungalow Media and Entertainment, Checkpoint Productions, and Mosquito Park Pictures. 
in partnership with iHeart Podcasts. The series was created by executive producers Paul Pulowski and David Sheck. Executive producers for Bungalow Media and Entertainment are Robert Friedman and Mike Powers. The podcast was written and produced by Max Nelson and hosted by me, Mike McGinnis. Editing was done by Anna Haverman. Sound design and mix by John Gardner. Teddy Gannon was an archival producer. Layla Ahmadzai was an associate producer. And Peter Solotaroff was a production assistant. Special thanks to Liz Yale Marsh, Nicole Rubin, Marcy Barkin, Zach Burpee, and Mirwais Atal, as well as all of the people who were interviewed for the podcast. Listen and subscribe to The War Within on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.